Welcome back to the One Two Three Show this afternoon with me, Karen Co. Uh, we are thrilled to have uh, Marilyn Chin joining us now live. We had a little bit of a Zoom mix-up, but Marilyn is here, and she is an award-winning writer, and her works have become Asian American classics and are taught all over the world. And she's participating in this year's Hong Kong International Literary Festival. So, Marilyn, great to have you with us. How are you? Hello, Hong Kong, my beloved Hong Kong, the land of my birth, the city of my birth. I was, I was born in, uh, on, yeah, in Wanzai. Really? <laughs> I wanted you to talk to you more Remember about that. Remember the street called uh, Sapji Gai? Yes. I, it's no longer. It's no longer. It no longer exists. <laughs> wow. I guess. I guess. Uh, um, a big shopping mall is in its place. Pr- probably many things from when you were born are, have been replaced by big shopping malls. <laughs> yes, that's right. It's so sad. You know, I just, and I, uh, the last time I went on a star ferry and as a child, I thought it was, you know, the, the ride took forever. But it's really just... Uh, now it's, it a only takes a few minutes. Money. And um, Marilyn, I just want to tell listeners yeah. that we're on uh, Facebook Live as well. You can uh, go to Noreen's page uh, because the, our software is connected to Noreen's Facebook page. It's Noreen Mir on RTHK Radio 3 to listen to Marilyn. And we don't have her visuals today, just so you know. So Marilyn, I wanted to ask you, you mentioned Hong Kong. You were born here. Do you still have close connections here? No, actually, uh, all my family moved to the States, and most of my family's on the West Coast, in Seattle and Portland, and I live in San Diego, right on the border. I can I can see Tijuana from my window. That's just a joke. I, don't, I can't really see <laughs> Tijuana from my window, but it is, I live right you know, in San Diego, it's, I live in a border city, and yeah. it's a very diverse community. It's really beautiful here perfect weather so you know we have called you and everybody calls you an asian american writer but tell me what does it mean really to be an asian american what does it mean to you oh that's such a broad term but i i see myself as a a pacific rim person right i i live in california i was born in hong kong i i've taught you know in beijing and hong kong and I taught in the uh, low residency MFA program uh, at uh, City U for about five years, five summers, and uh, I yeah, so I I've taught in Sydney, I've taught in Ta- in Taiwan. So I feel like a Pacific Rim person. I feel like an international poet, but of course I am an American poet. You can tell by my attitude and by you know yes. <laughs> The way I walk <laughs> and, and and your boldness. So tell us, and how did you become a poet? I mean, what drew you to the form? Well, I remember I was I was born in Hong Kong, but when I was I was two years old, my grandmother used to carry me on her back, and she used to chant Chinese poetry to me. So that the, I very young, I heard Chinese poetry. I heard poetry. She was illiterate, but she had. Uh, the Tang shirt, the, the, the Tang Dynasty of Poetry, Confucius sayings, everything. She had a, a, a vast memory. So, uh, so very young, I heard poetry. I was always drawn to the art. You know, I couldn't read novels. Uh, I couldn't get through the s- saggy middle of novels. <laughs> They're too long. <laughs> I write. I write tales. I write. I I uh, I wrote a 
uh, a book of stories called Revenge of the Mooncake Vixen. It's, it's, a, it's really a wild book. Uh, but I, um, yeah, I write some tales, but I, my heart belongs to poetry. You know that mm. we, we Chinese have a long tradition, poetic tradition. Yes. I guess one of my old uncles was a, a, a crazy poet, my, my, my grandmother called him. <laughs> he, he was always up to no good, I guess. He was impoverished and so forth. But at least I, I, <laughs> at least I, I feel lucky to, you know, um, to have had a life. Uh, to 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 be living a, a life of poetry. Yeah. Now, I was reading some of your work, and I have to say you definitely uh, have a voice of female sexuality coming through in your poetry. It's very fun and very direct. And a lot of your works uh, talk about the, the physical body. I mean, it's not just sort of ethereal in the mind. Why why do you write that way? Well, it's like uh, what Whitman said, I'm, I'm, I'm a poet of the body and a poet of the soul. So... So I think it's important to embody our poems. And, and you know, like Helene Sassou says, we, we have to write with our bodily juices, right? <laughs> and I feel that, that it's, it's all there in, in our physical being. So, uh, so I, I write with my entire, my whole body, my whole, my whole being. Uh, of course, you know, I also use my, my brain and uh, we have to use our brains and I, uh, of course, uh, I write, I, I have in mind um, both literary traditions, the Chinese tradition and the Western tradition. So uh, so that I, I write a hybrid poet, poem, poetry. So you will always hear my Chineseness in my poems. Mm. You, will also, you will also, but of course, you, uh, I've, I've studied uh, poetry in, in, in English for many years, you know, uh, so, uh, so I try to draw from both sides of my literary heritage. That's great. And tell me, how do you feel poets are regarded this day, these days? I mean, where do they have their place, especially in this internet age of TikTok, streaming video and memes and all these other forms of expression? Well, uh, that's a good question in that, uh, you know, I, uh, when my selected poems came out, uh, uh, you know, I, I, well, before COVID, I ran, went around and did, uh, gave readings and students and poetry lovers have, they have different favorites, right? And it seems to me that, uh, that people have a hunger for reading poetry and for hearing it. I think, um, it is, it's, a, it's an ancient art. It's an ancient art form, uh, but it's not dead yet. It's all over the internet. If you, <laughs> that's good. Everybody's writing poetry, right? Uh, I mean, when when I was a schoolgirl, lots of um, some of my classmates had they had a fear and loathing of poetry, but now everybody, you know, everybody, you know, you write. I think is a real pop pop art form. You can write a. A haiku to your uh, to your grandmother. Write a love poem to your beloved. Uh, you know, it's just it's really uh, the the genre that's closest to your heart. I mean, yeah, you could, yeah, it's and really free- in one that is about emotions. You know, it's um, really about how we feel yeah, at I that th- moment. I think people yeah. have freedom now to write um, forms of poetry that are not sort of 
um, the kind of poetry we learnt when we were kids that had to have a very specific form. Uh, but uh, but suddenly, the um, the sauna is all the rage right now. People <laughs> this year, I'm seeing sonnets everywhere, and all over the world, people have haiku parties. Right. So, <laughs> excuse me. Haiku's making a comeback. Oh, I just I have something right throat. Oh, take your time. That's fine. No oh, okay. Thank you. Um, um, I was going to ask you about uh, your involvement in the Hong Kong Literary Festival. So the event that you're taking place, uh, taking part in, is um, on Saturday evening <laughs> time in Hong Kong. It's called an evening of urban love poetry. So what what can you tell us about that? Um, um, N- Nicholas Wong. Uh, uh, I guess, yeah, yeah, proposed uh, this wonderful poetry contest uh, based around my poem, Urban Love Poem, which was uh, uh, premiered on uh, on, P- on a PBS um, show called uh, po- um, uh, Poetry in America. And they had a special session on my, on, uh, on my poem, Urban Love Poem. Uh, and what happened was that 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 Nicholas Wong uh, had this idea of using uh, using this poem to to uh, incite uh, students all over all over Hong Kong um, to participate in a poetry contest to write their love poem to Hong Kong. And so um, so it's been really fun. I read. Uh, so uh, there were a lot of contestants, hundreds, I think, and I I selected three winners, three winning poems, and and I'll review those winners on on Saturday. <laughs> Fantastic! That's really good. And there's quite a few other poets um, uh, involved as well. And so, do, is what's the poetry community like? Are you do you all know each other? Are you all very close? Well, actually, uh, n- um. Well, in the U.S. is you know, <laughs> I know a lot of poets in the U.S. I've been I've been out a long time, uh, but I taught in the uh, um, the City U uh, MFA program, and I and Nicholas Swan was in one of my classes. Yeah, he was what he was he was one of my students. So it's a very small. It seems like a small world, but <laughs> but it's not. You know, there's so many poets that I don't know. Uh, but I, I'm just heartened that there's there are. Uh, really wonderful writers, uh, wonderful young writers, uh, writing poetry these days. Exactly. Now, would you like to just take a minute to read something of yours, if you have it handy? Oh, yes. Um, Okay, we've still got you. Yes, I thought the sound had come out. Guess, but it's... Okay, I, I guess I'll read. Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. Okay. Okay, this poem is called... The Floral Apron. The BBC um, selected this poem... 
um, to represent Hong Kong <laughs> in the 2012 uh, uh, Olympics, London Olympics. And I emailed them and said, hey, I, I can, how can I represent Hong Kong, an American citizen? But they said, well, you were born in Hong Kong and we, and, and we shall claim you as a, as a Hong Kong citizen. Okay. So that's... <laughs> So this poem represented Hong Kong, the uh, 2012 uh, Olympics. Okay. Um, The floral apron. The woman wore a floral apron around her neck. That woman from my mother's village with a sharp cleaver in her hand. She said, what shall we cook tonight? Perhaps these six tiny squid lined up so perfectly on the block. She wiped her hand on the apron, pierced the blade into the first. There was no resistance, no blood, only cartilage, soft as a child's nose. A last iota of ink made us wince. Suddenly, the aroma of ginger and scallion fogged our senses, and we absorbed her for that moment's barbarism. Then she, an elder of the tribe, without formal headdress, without elegance, deigned to teach the younger about the Asian plight. And although we have traveled far, we must never forget that primal lesson on patience, courage, forbearance, on how to love squid despite squid. How to honor Marilyn, I have to cut you off 